Welcome to RVR's Life After Camp podcast. Learn about the camp and retreat ministries of RVR at rivervalleyranch.com. Enjoy. Man, how's it going? Good evening, everyone. Good evening. Good evening. I'm happy that uh, you all braved. Thank you, Emily. Give it up for Emily. Give it up for Emily. Thank you, Emily. I'm glad we all uh, braved the snow and the ice to get up here. I was uh, I was a little worried. I was praying for y'all. I really was. I was like, Lord, we don't want no slipping and sliding, ended up in a ditch. And look, here you are. And it is by God's will, we are here together. So we can give it up for that. It, you could have been anywhere, but you are here right now. You could have been anywhere. But you, I could have been in bed. It is past my bedtime right now. I am old. I am an old. I'm hanging on to my 30s, y'all. I am hanging on to my 30s. I just turned 39 years old a week ago. Isn't that crazy? That's crazy. Anyway, thank you. Thank you. Feeling the love. Feeling the love. Hey, I, I just wanted to um, share a little bit about myself. Um, some of you have already asked questions of me. One asked me, um, how many days a week do I work out? And um, I don't know why they were motivated to ask that question, because as you can tell, it's zero. Zero days a week do I work out. What is that? I'm not proud of it. I'm not proud of it. I'm not saying, you know, follow me as I eat pizza. I'm just saying. I am Italian. I am Italian. Uh, so when I'm yelling at you and waving my hands around, I'm not really yelling. That's just how I talk. That's just how we talk. We talk with our hands and we're very loud. We're very vocal. I have a wife. I've been married for 12 years. She's the love of my life. She's amazing. Her name is Kelly. Um, and I have two kids, two kids, Maddie, who is nine going on 15. I'm scared. I'm really worried. Um, and I have a son named uh, Andrew, and he is 11. He is 11. So, uh, yeah, pray for me because they, they, I've, I've lost all my hair, all my hair, all of it. Yeah, I'm wearing the cap for a reason, y'all. We have not entered into that space in our relationship. No, I'm playing. I'll... I still got a little, you know, sandpaper. I'm not as old as some of y'all leaders. Anyway, we are here together. I'm excited to be here together. Um, we are here uh, at RVR, and we are going through this series, this theme, this theme over the next couple of days, and it is called Come Alive. Y'all say, Come Alive. Come Alive. All right, so we're in this idea of coming alive. What does it mean to really and truly come alive? And I think RVR gives us plenty of opportunities to come alive. Any of y'all down with that zip line? The zip line? Are y'all looking forward to the zip line? Who are my thrill seekers? Who are my thrill seekers? Okay, you're the ones who are not afraid of heights. I'm terrified of heights. I am uh, terrified of falling and the impact and the thud and the broken bones that will come with me falling down. I do not go on high things. I do not. Gravity and me are really good friends. I stay right on the ground and I like to be feet firm on the ground. My wife, on the other hand, she is a thrill seeker. She will go on any zip line to any place. It is insane. There is this, there is this roller coaster at Bush Gardens, I believe, and it's called the Griffin. Y'all know the Griffin? Anybody ride that? Raise your hand if you know the Griffin. Yeah. 
there is something wrong with you if you go on the griffin. It is high, it is steep, there is a pause, you're facing the bottom of this incredibly high rail system, and you're just hanging there like this is fun, and I don't get it. I don't get it at all, because that is dangerous. It's dangerous. You should not be doing that. But my wife, fa-la-la-la-la, I've never felt more alive, and I'm standing at the bottom holding her purse going, you're out of your mind, but you got this, and I love you. There are certain things that we are willing to do as people to feel alive, to feel alive. My wife, she gets on these roller coasters. She's a thrill seeker. She cannot wait to jump out of an airplane. She's just looking for somebody to go with her because when she does these things, she she says to me, she's like, that's just where I feel so alive. I feel like I come alive when I do these things, and I'm like, man, I'd like to feel alive around a cup of coffee with some friends. Like that's, that's, that's the most life that I need in my life. She says, no. My wife, the reason why she does these things is because there was a time in her life where she was very close to death. She's a cancer survivor. One of the strongest women I know. She is a warrior, man, and she fought the battle of cancer at a very young age, and I'm telling you right now, this woman is fearless. When she has faced something like that, she can face anything down. She has no fear, and, and it is in the face of those things where, where she, she might feel afraid, but she has this kind of saying about her where it's like, I'm just going to do it afraid. I'm just going to do it afraid. Because when it was in the face of her cancer journey, she could admit and testify that nothing was as scary as that. She'll face down anything and come alive in the midst of these thrill-seeking moments. And I'll be at the bottom of the hill going, I love you. You're crazy. But I'm glad you're having fun. This idea of coming alive is, is a beautiful one. Is a beautiful one because I know that sometimes when as a young person it's difficult to feel like you're really living the full life like when your parents take away your cell phone your smartphone like they're taking it and and you're sitting there and you're like this ain't living This ain't living. I'm stressed out. I got anxiety. You just took an appendage from me, mom and dad. I don't care if I failed that test. I don't care if I got caught doing whatever. But but here's the thing. You took something from me that makes me feel alive. That's where my social network is. That's where my relationships are. That's where my entertainment is. How dare you, mom and dad, take that from me? I can't wait to get out of this house. I can't wait to move on because then I can make all my own decisions for myself and really be alive. My kids tell me all the time, I cannot wait until I'm a grown-up. And I go, why can't you wait until you're a grown-up and until you're on your own? And they go, well, then I'll be free. I'll really be alive in not so many words. And I go, man, you have a lot to learn. Because outside of this house, where all your clothes are provided and all your food is provided and all your rides are provided and all your uh, uh, game systems are provided and all this, all this electricity is provided and heat. And you're telling me you can't wait to get out of this situation so you could really be alive? Because here's what's going to happen. 
you're going to have to get a job and you're going to have to afford your own car and your own bills and buy your own food and fold your own laundry. And in the midst of all that, in the midst of all that and in between all that time of you doing all those things, let me ask you, how alive are you really going to feel? Oh, by the way, when you've got exams in college, when your midterms do, when your paper, and the list goes on and on. And I say to my kids, enjoy it while you can. Because here's the thing. When you get out of this house, you're going to start living for yourself, providing for yourself. And me and your mother are never going to feel more alive because we'll be free. We'll be like, hey, <laughs> we ain't got nobody to drive anywhere. No things to go to. We feeling alive. We can just relax, kick back, you know, hang out and feel alive. This idea of coming alive, feeling alive is so in line with God's heart. Did you know that the creator of the universe actually intends for you to live fully alive, fully alive. And we're not just talking about living because we get what we want when we want it. We don't talk about, we're not talking about just living because everything's going our way. We're not just talking about living because we get to, to say yes to everything that our heart, it's not that kind of living. It's not just because of what we have or what's going on in our life that's fully living, but we're fully living because we know who we are and we know whose we are. And we have a relationship with this creator that made us, that is intimately known and acquainted with our heart that knows every desire you'll ever have, every hair on your head and has numbered every breath in your body that you will ever take and being fully alive is knowing who that is and knowing who you are. And when you get the depths of knowing who God is in your life, what he wants for you, what he's done for you, who he's called you to be, how he's created you, how he's purposed you. And when you get in touch with that, you can say, man, I am alive. I've never felt more alive than when I walk in my purpose according to the way that God has uniquely equipped and designed me. There is nothing like doing what I'm doing. And here's the thing, life is hard and there is disappointment and things go wrong and people are complex and relationships are broken and disappointment happens. And there's times that are so difficult but when I look on all the things that God has done for me and how he has saved me in my life, which I'll share with you uh, as we get to know each other, when I see all the things that God has done for me and what he's purposed me for, I look back and say, I would not trade a single moment because in the midst of those moments of going through all the things and experiencing all the disappointment, I knew who I was and he formed me and he purposed me and I was able to grasp the depth of his love for me because in the midst of all that, my God who created me never abandoned me never left me, never left me to deal with it for myself, never sat back and said, figure it out. But the whole time God said, I've put my spirit in you. 
I've put my purpose in you. I've put my grace around you. I've showered you in my grace. I have put my, put my hand on you and I know you and you will know what it feels like to be alive. In the very beginning, when God created man, it says in Genesis chapter two, verse seven, that God formed man from the dust of the earth. And that floors me. That, that like sends me. That God made mankind, man, from the dust of the earth. And, and I think it's amazing because I think about how incredible it is that the creator of the universe, after setting the stars in its place and the universe in motion, and developing the forest galaxy to, to the, the deepest sinews in our body, who has created every system that has ever been in existence. This God that set everything in its place and holds the whole universe in its hand created me out of the specks of dust from the earth. Dust, dust. Man, sometimes we'll like shake our carpets out of the house, like out from the back door and we'll see some like dust come off these carpets. Dust is so granular, it's so fine, it, it kind of sends these dust, little dust poofs into the, I can't believe this big man just said poofs, but I'm saying poofs. It, it, this dust poofs into the air and you can see it and it kind of hangs around because dust is almost lighter than air. I don't know if you've been down a dirt road in the summer heat and you're kicking up dust and it kind of hangs in the air. It's almost as if it's lighter than air because dust is so much finer than dirt and, and dirt is so much finer than, than mud. And if you think about dust and how microscopic it is, it says in the word that that is what God created the first man from, dust. And to me, nothing is deader than dust. There is nothing deader than dust. It's a vapor almost. It's, it hangs in the atmosphere. It really doesn't have much use. What can you do with dust? At least from sand, I can build a castle. At least from mud, I can make a pie. Like I, There's things that I can do with dirt and mud, and sand, but God created man from dust. It's like, whew, how valuable is dust? A speck of dust that God put together countless particles of dust and fashioned the first human being, a man named Adam, from the dust of the ground. He created this human that was created in his likeness and his image to be a reflection of who he was in, uh, unto his creation. This, this person that was to carry his image. But as that person laid, created from the nothingness of dust, but formed into the somethingness of its creative, its creator's intent, this thing, this man, this human being was dead in that moment, but then the creator breathed life into the nostrils of what was created from dust. And that person, that man became a living thing. And all of the value and all of the identity 
and all of the purpose that could ever be for that man began in the moment the creator breathed into that composition and brought that man to life. It says that that is the moment that the man became a living being. And I wish I could just sit because we can just kind of gloss over. It's like God created man from dust and then he breathed into the dust and then the dust and the man. No, I wish I could sit with that man and say, what did it feel like to come alive when the creator of the universe breathed into your body? What, 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 what did it feel like for you to become a living being when the breath of God filled your lungs and you became a living being created in his image? What did it feel like to breathe in that spirit of the living God? What did it feel like to breathe the pure air of the atmosphere that had not been yet tainted? What did it feel like to live in this relationship with your creator that was not broken? What did it feel like to be alive? when the creator put his hands to your being and when the creator put his breath in your body. What did that feel like? And you know what's crazy? I feel like that would be so otherworldly. Like I can't even conceptualize the, the magnitude of life that was felt by that first being before sin ever entered into the world, before anything became toxic, before there was any drama, before any of this ever took place. There was a pure, loving relationship that was so close that the very breath of God entered into the person he created. I don't know, I don't know what you might think about that, but when I think of God, I feel like it would be a beautiful testimony to say, he breathed his air into me and I came alive. Nobody's got to, I mean, that's, that's quite a testimony. He fashioned me from dust and then he brought me to life when he breathed his spirit, his breath of life into me. It's an incredible testimony. He became a living being. You know, God created mankind to have that sense of awe and wonder when it comes to who he is and our relationship with him. Did you know that every breath you take, you take because God wills it? Every breath that you've been given, the thing that we do so naturally, like how can we go to sleep, get rest, and breathe the entire time we're sleeping without even knowing it? You put no effort to your breath. And yet because of who God is and his will, he's given you that breath to sustain you and sustain your life so that you can be alive and live according to his purpose. He has willed you to be here tonight, sitting in your seat, taking your breaths and knowing who he is. If you breathe in deeply in this moment right now, you just said, Thank you, God, for your breath, because it's what makes me alive. If you put your hand in front of your face and you went and just blew on it, it's the evidence that you are alive and you are here 
And this moment, this time, this weekend is for you. And God wants you to understand as you enter into this weekend with your friends and your loved ones and your leaders and this crazy dude up here yelling at you, he wants you to know how much he loves you, cares for you, how much he's purposed you, how much he's gone to the greatest lengths that anyone could ever go to save you so that you could be fully alive. God created you to be fully alive and he created you to be filled with his spirit. God created us to have a relationship with him and also to have his spirit in us. So not only do we have this external relationship with him, we have the spirit of the living God that's meant to indwell in us. That is amazing. That's internal and external. That's life changing. That's understanding what it means to live. It's like this. I am not a NASCAR fan. I do have horribly bad ADHD, as you can tell. It's a gift, neurodivergent, whatever. So I'm not a NASCAR fan, but I do like watching clips of the pit crew. Like, I just think it's incredible. I don't know if any of y'all like NASCAR or race cars or whatever, but I think it is an amazing and incredible act of teamwork when the race car comes into the pit and this dude with a helmet on and this, what is called a pneumatic drill, comes up beside this race car and gets down on one knee And his one and only job is to change the tires. These tires need to be changed. And so this dude takes this drill and with expert precision, like this is like precision and speed, all at once goes, takes the tire off, rolls it away somewhere, and then gets rolled another tire, puts it on the axle and goes, and does that about four times. And then that race car goes off and it only took like 30 seconds. It is a thing of beauty. It, it just, it amazes me every time. This drill is called a pneumatic drill. It is powered by air. An air compressor gives this drill its power. And then when the expert has this drill in his hand, he's able to do this demonstration of incredible accuracy and speed in changing this tire and getting this race car out of there. And I bring that up because that drill is actually an incredibly powerful tool that is purposed for something spectacular. But when there is no power and no air going into that drill, it's actually a dead thing. It's a dead thing. And the thing that gives that drill life is not just the power and the air that goes into that pneumatic drill. Pneuma means air in Greek, breath, wind, It's actually the word for the Holy Spirit in the Bible, pneuma, just to let you know. If you think of pneumonia, pneuma, oxygen, air, I digress. When that power, that air goes into that pneumatic drill, that is where the drill is set to live up to what it's been created for. 
But the problem is, is that if it's not in the hands of the expert that knows what it's designed for, it's still a dead thing. So it's not alive until it's connected to the oxygen in the air that gives it its power. But even still, it's dead until the operator is able to put his hands to it and use it for what it's designed for. That is this thing being living in the fullness of its purpose. And that's what God wants for us because he's given us his breath. He's given us his spirit. But when we aren't placing ourselves in his hands, are we really alive? Are we alive if we're not filled with the breath of God and his spirit? And are we alive if we're not placing ourselves in his hands? But when a vessel, that's you and me, is filled with the Holy Spirit and is used and purposed according to what it's designed for, with its hands, when it places itself in the hands of its creator, that's when that thing is fully alive. And that's what this weekend's for. For you to know who your God is, how he's placed his spirit in you or wants to, and how he wants to use you, love you, care for you, purpose you, according to his hands, his handiwork. Here's the last thing I'd like to say as we enter into this weekend. There's a story in the Bible. It's not a story. I like to call it a historical narrative. It's a historical narrative in the Bible. This man named Job. Have you ever heard of Job? There's a very famous quote in the Bible um, from the book of Job. And uh, the, the quote in the Bible says, Though he slay me, yet I trust in him. We always talk about that. There's another very popular verse from the book of Job where Job's wife is just fed up, frustrated. And she's like, curse God and die. He's like, never that. She's like, give up, give up. The story of Job is about a man who had everything. He had a bunch of kids. He had a mansion for a house. He had tons of land. He has herds of cattle. He had everything. He was extremely rich and he loved God. He had a heart for the Lord. He loved God and God actually saw him as a righteous man. And the narrative of Job goes that the enemy, Satan, is going back and forth, looking for people to tempt and to throw off their purpose. And he goes back and forth and he's like, I don't, I'm not finding anybody who's worth tempting. And God goes, hey, have you considered my servant Job because he's after my heart and you could never throw him off of his purpose? And the enemy goes and he says to the Lord, he says, he says, that's because he has everything. He gets whatever he wants. He's, he's got the life. He's comfortable. He's got everything. But if you take all that away, will he still praise you? Would he still be counted as righteous? And the Lord says, you can test him however you want. Just don't take his life. And so the enemy goes and he wipes out everything Job has. His kid's gone. Cattle, herds, gone. Livelihood, gone. House is gone. His wife's telling him to curse God and die. His friends are giving him horrible advice saying, man, you must have done something wrong because God it must be mad at you. All this stuff's going on. Job's like, look, I haven't done anything. I'm innocent. I don't know why this is happening, but all I know is that I got to continue to trust God. And in the midst of all of this accusation, in the midst of Job being uh, the enemy attempting to throw Job from his purpose, in the midst of all this 
his hardship, here's what I love that Job says. And it's in verse 33, or it's in chapter 33, verse four of the book of Job. And here's what he says. He says, the spirit of God has made me. The spirit of God has made me and the breath of the almighty gives me life. Job was looking at his friends and his accusers and the people giving him terrible advice and saying, hey, look, the life that I lead, the life that I live is not found in the things that I have. It's not found in the stuff that I have. It's not found in me coasting and everything being good. It's not found in riches. It's not found in any of this stuff. My life is found in my creator. My life is found in me knowing who my God is. My life is found in me knowing who has made me and created me and who has a purpose for me. That's where my life is found. So you can take all these things away and I'm still going to know who I am. And because I know who I am, that is why I'm fully alive. Because I know where my life comes from. For you and me, our challenge this week is to begin to understand and know and not take for granted who our life comes from and what a full life really looks like. And I can go all the way back to the beginning of this beautiful word and I can see that God wants us to be filled with him and in a relationship with him. And that's where full life is found. Amen. Let me pray. Dear Lord, Heavenly Father, I thank you and I praise you for these kids. You've put us all together here in this moment for a reason. And Lord, I pray that we would seek out your heart, that we would connect our heart with your heart, Lord, that we would dive deep into your word, that we would dive deep into the good relationships that you've given us, that we would experience the fullness of what you have for us here at RVR in this weekend, Lord. Father, we don't take today for granted. We know where our life comes from. We know what you have purposed for us. It is a full life in you. And I pray for each person in this room that we would begin to understand the height and depth and breadth of your love. It cannot be measured. But Lord, for some reason, you say it's available. And we thank you. So Lord, I pray that you bless each and every young person and leader and pastor and volunteer in this space. And I pray, Lord, this weekend, you would begin to help us see what it means to truly come alive. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope you enjoyed listening to this Life After Camp episode. Discover all of the year-round adventures at RVR and find out how you can support our ministry at rivervalleyranch.com. Thanks.